0: Welcome back to the Saved and Savage podcast season two, where we're inspiring dads to step out of average and into savage. I'm so excited about today's episode featuring Josh Fowler. He's a father of five with four adopted kids. That's right, four adopted kids. If you're not ready, you better get ready to be led, to be inspired and challenged. This is the Saved and Savage podcast. Uh, You
1: know, so we have have our five kids and then... Susan owns a company. I mean, we both own both companies, but she owns and operates Tyler Studio. Those so I own and operate Arnold Loop. Um, and you know, I, I've got you know five people on staff. You know, so like there's a there's a payroll demand, and there's a leadership demand. Yeah. And there is a management demand. You
0: know. And yeah. so,
1: um, not, and not to mention clients. You know, so just handle all that and being there for as a husband and being there as a dad is you know really yeah. good And you know things like working out
0: and a hobby. Yeah, you've been doing hard. you've been doing like the <laughs> um well it's hard but it's also important, you know. I, yeah. I I think it's important. I think one of the things that dads kind of lose out on, especially the ones that are doing right, you know, they're doing the, they're doing fatherhood correctly. I think one of the struggles is like um making time or creating time for like you to be like yourself and to like do things that are really important um like like you mentioned like working out but also just things that you find to be fun as well i think we i think we need fun Mm -hmm. and we discount that sometimes what do you do like so you you work out i know you've been doing like what is it like the 75 day thing or something
1: yeah, so um, this is not necessarily an endorsement for um, Andy Prezella, okay. uh at all. Because I, I've, I've, I haven't read any of his stuff, and I've never even listened to a full podcast. But, you know, to give credit where credit's due, 75 Hard is Andy Prizella's thing. Um, and you, you don't have to pay anything for it. You just follow the program. I did buy the app because it is easier to track. Um, but you basically do two workouts every single day. Um, both of them have to be at least 45 minutes minimum. One Uh has to be outside. You drink a gallon of water a day. Um, you have to take a progress picture every day. Read 10 pages of a leadership book or a nonfiction book or some kind of book that's going to help you to get better. Okay. And then no cheat, no cheap meals, no alcohol. Okay. And then, um, follow meal plan doesn't have to be like any, it could be Whole30, it could be Atkins, it could be something you come up with, but you have to fall and stick to it. Okay. And then if you mess up, you start over. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So there's no quitting on on a day.
1: No, I'm on day 74.
0: Oh, shoot. So So, you're almost done.
1: Yeah, so there's no messing up for me now. I can't imagine screwing it up on day 74. Yeah.
0: So how have you made time? There's two, have to do two workouts a day
1: yeah uh it's been hard um, ultimately part of it was i got susan on board you know and she saw that i was not as healthy as i needed to be matter of fact in a lot of ways just very unhealthy and um she thought that it was extreme but she knows extreme really works well for me yeah and uh, she was like you know i think you need to prioritize your health and so she got on board but it's it's been tough man uh and there's a couple times i know, gosh i Just so you know, like, I don't think I have a tough life. I've said a couple times it's been tough or it's hard or it's difficult. That's really what I mean is like it's challenging.
0: And I'm fine with
1: challenging. I don't have a problem with something being challenging. Uh, I just don't want to, like, paint it to be easy. It's easy to, you know, talk about. It's easy, like, in, you know, concept to be like, oh, yeah, this is what it is and this is what I do. The hard thing is executing it and making it happen. Um, and there was one day that I was in Atlanta on business and it was the end of the day and it was like 2am and I still didn't have a workout in and I still hadn't drunk all my water
0: and I was like a ways
1: away. I was like about a half a gallon off. And so I just like chugged the water and I was like, I got to go work out. And I spent the next hour and a half peeing my brains out and working out and I got to bed at 3.30 because ultimately I was like 40 days in. And I want to
0: stop. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to start. You anything. know,
1: I was like, I mean, we're 40 days in. Like, we lose these 40 days. And so I just like pushed forward and made it happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been really healthy. You know, you were asking about hobbies. Uh, you know, one of my hobbies is that I'm into bourbon. I'm just kind of a spirits enthusiast yeah. together. Yeah. Like, I like certain things for certain occasions. Like, I, I like a great wine with steak, I like a great whiskey and cigars, so I like a good beer. Depending on you know what the situation is, what time of year it is, and so just in general, uh, I'm a spirits enthusiast. But um, you got to keep that in check, and uh, you know, you, you start having a beer and a pizza two or two times a week, man. Stuff adds up, the weight comes on. Yeah. And I wasn't healthy, and so one of the one of the best pieces for me um, was just stepping away from alcohol for. Or two and a half months that's a big deal yeah you know and not that it wasn't a situation where it was like oh you need to do this or there's a problem or anything but just anything that's indulgent like that it's healthy to take take a step back from and and, and take some time off and, and not do anything with it
0: yeah you know i didn't even plan on talking to you about health or fitness or hobbies or anything like that but this is a, a good a good place to kick off from before we go any deeper, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody, like all our listeners, um, who you are, what you're about. I know we know a little bit about what you're about now, but um, you said you have five kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, okay. So my name is Josh Fowler and uh, I, I'm married, married to Susan. been married since uh, 2006. i uh, got five kids and... Um, Let's see. Hazel is our firstborn. born. Hazel was born in 2012. Um, funny enough, Hazel is not our oldest kid um, because we've adopted. And um, the first time we adopted, we adopted a little boy named Zane. Zane is younger. But then the second time we adopted, we actually adopted a sibling group of three kids. Um, and they're all older than Hazel. And so even though hazel was born in 2012 and for a long time she was our oldest and she is our first born she's like our first kid but now we have kids that are 17 14
0: um 11 9 and 7 jeez bro <laughs> 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 so and you've been married since 2006 so what you're uh 10 up on 15, 15 years. years yeah 15 years in and you've got a kid that's Older than your marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit about yeah. like your your adoption story. So, you've had two separate adoptions. Um, yeah. And did you like plan to adopt? Was this like part of like Did you guys go through pre premarital counseling and talk about? Yeah, we want to adopt a bunch of kids. So was this like part of the plan, or how did this come about?
1: Um, adoption was always part of the plan uh, for me, for sure. And then I guess Susan by default a little bit because I used to talk about it. Um, and so she was pretty on board with that concept too. So before we had kids, you know, biologically or otherwise, like adoption had always been part of the plan or part of the desire, I guess you could say. Um, when I was 17 and maybe 18 years old or 16 and 17, somewhere around there, um, over two summers, like maybe like two weeks, Um, out of each of those summers of my junior and senior year, um, I went to Mexico on a mission trip with my church Uh and on part of the trip, we visited an orphanage and even at like 16, 17 years old, it broke my heart. Yeah. Um, it also gave me a lot of empathy for, you know, immigration. Okay. Um, yeah, I grew up in a, in a suburban slash semi-rural area. Um, and, you know, where I, where I grew up, you know, there was jokes about all sorts of different ethnicities. There was uh-huh. jokes about every race um, and jokes about immigrants. And when you see that stuff firsthand, it all of a sudden is not funny
0: mm-hmm.
1: anymore. And I, yeah. you know, part of me wonders, like, why was that ever funny? I don't even know. Yeah. It, it, you know, because it's not. Um, but when you go and you see what people deal with, and you see why they're coming across the border and why there's a crisis, you understand. And it's not to excuse anything and not to get political, because there's really not a side that I align with. I think right. that extremes are not ever the answer. Mm-hmm. But you do understand, and you say, you know what, I understand why this is the way it is. And so we went to this orphanage, broke my heart, and I said, you know what, you know I can't adopt every kid, but I can definitely adopt a kid one day. And so that's what I would like to do. So for a long time, I wanted to adopt a child from Mexico because that's where our heart kind of was, and um, for me especially since I went there on a mission trip. Um, but it was always sort of like a far off thing that we had never really put any action behind. And so both times when we adopted, we adopted on a whim. Um, and I'm just I'm gonna say that that is. A very unhealthy decision for most people and most <laughs> people should not do that um but we are kind of you know i was talking a minute ago like susan said i know extreme works for you we're kind of extreme in a lot of different things like we hate taking time on decisions um we i, I don't need all the information to make a decision i need about 50 percent yeah um and i can make a decision and i think anything more than about 80 percent is too much yeah um but when, when Adoption was always a far off thing. I was like, well, Hazel will graduate or maybe we'll have more kids and then maybe we'll do boxer care. Maybe we'll adopt. Um And also adopting um, an older child was always part of the plan. Really? Because I've, I've always had awareness about how hard it is uh, for kids who have come of age to be adopted. Uh, because in the adoption world, they're not wanted. I hate to say it. Yeah. I know that's blunt. Yeah. But it's true. It, yeah. uh, most people would like um, you know a a healthy baby and if you get like really right down to it if you look at the adoption preferences across the board they would like a healthy white baby with no issues Um, but the reality is that for kids who are in an adoption situation or they're in foster care you know more than 95 percent of the time there are some sort of issues that because they, they come from extraordinarily challenging circumstances mm-hmm. and with extraordinarily challenging circumstances can, you know, come, come, the, the circumstances come with the kids, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I never had put action behind like what, what that looked like. And so, uh, it was just always a far off thing. And so one day, um, well, I'll give you a little bit more information, and I'll speed this up. I know I'm, I'm not trying to drag.
0: No, you're uh, good. No, this is Randall, great. Randall,
1: he did a special needs adoption from China. He adopted a child who had Down syndrome from China.
0: That's amazing. And that
1: blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I like I was like, wow. I was like, he is willingly adopting a child with very high special needs. Like, what a special amazing person. Yeah. Like that, that is, is so insane. And uh, I remember like being very proud of him, and I remember being uh, shocked that that was even a thing. I was like, I didn't know people even did that. Like,
0: yeah. I thought
1: there's, I just didn't know, you yeah. know. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I I told him I was like, I'm I'm so glad that you could do that, man. I'm really proud of you. I I would never be able to do that, but I'm glad you could do that. I think it's great. Um, and so he did he did his adoption, and then. He inspired someone else to do an adoption and they did a special needs adoption, uh, from a little girl in Bulgaria. And while they were there, they found this little boy and they were trying to adopt him too. And so they tried to like add him on to the adoption because of his circumstance and Uh it didn't work. They they did not get approved. And so one day on Facebook, she shared his picture and said, Hey, this little boy has some issues, you know, digestive issues. You know, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. You know, over here, if he was in this country, he would be able to get the services and the help that he needs. But because he's in Bulgaria, um, they haven't been able to provide those services. Um, and he's, you know, he's an orphan. He's a parent. Like, there's no one that's, like, leading charge with this. And so he said, you know, if you she said, if you've ever considered adoption or if you've ever considered... You know, any foster care or whatever. Like, look at this kid. Look in his eyes and ask God if you could be his parents or something like that. And so I'd so I'd seen that on Facebook. Susan also saw it on Facebook, uh. and uh, it was like a conversation pretty quick. And but the the original conversation, my suggestion was like, oh, should we be helping this kid somehow? Like, maybe we should get financially and like see if we can help find his family. Sort of yeah. Kind of. <laughs> um, and then. Like so fast, in a matter of hours, the conversation turned from how do we help to we should help to we should adopt this kid. Wow. And I remember like Susan was like, Let's pray about it and I was like, Cool, let's pray about it. And so we prayed about it. And they were like so like, do we have to pray anymore? Or like or like what are we <laughs> what are we waiting on? Like yeah. this is uh like this is close to the heart of God. Yeah. Like Literally mentions widows and orphans.
0: Yeah, I, I so think like that. I think sometimes Christians use uh, "let's pray about it" as a way to procrastinate. 100%. <laughs> you know,
1: like so I'm just like, waiting
0: for God to speak. <laughs> He's yeah, like, "It's I mean, all over it's my like, word, man. Like you already read the Bible. Like it's it's all right there. Stop asking we, me the same question. You're going to get the same answer." Uh, but we were like
1: ready to go in a matter of hours, and they yeah. were like, "Let's sleep on it." And then, like, the next day came, and, like, we were, like, almost embarrassed to tell people because we do sort of have this reputation for just jumping into things. And now, I will say this. We don't have a reputation for jumping into things and flaking. We don't. That's
0: good. At all. Yeah.
1: But we do have a reputation of just going and just doing it. Yeah. And so I remember I called, like, my friend Larry. He's, like, one of my best friends in the world. I called him. I was like, hey, I want to tell you this. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy, but just, I need you to support me. Um, we are adopting a little boy and he's in Bulgaria and he's got special needs and it's a whole thing and <laughs> it's what we're doing.
0: Man, that's amazing. And he, was,
1: and he was like, what the heck? And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, And so, my special needs, like he wasn't um, intellectually disabled or anything. Not that that's, I mean, cause the, there's kids who are intellectually disabled need to be adopted also. Yeah. And, and plenty of people do. But that wasn't the challenge we were up against. We were up, a challenge with, um, we were up against the challenge of digestive issues. He was born without an esophagus. He was born with various types of atresia, esophageal atresia, uh, duodenal atresia. He had a heart uh, issue. There's just a lot of things. Yeah. And so, um, you know, long story short, we were able to go through the adoption. We were able to get him to the U.S. Uh, we were able to take him to Boston Children's Hospital. They created us an esophagus for him out of his small intestine.
0: That's amazing. Uh,
1: they, they were able to fix his airway issues. They were able to sustain everything that had been done with like the heart and other areas. Uh and he's killing it. You know, now he's thriving, seven years old. We we um we adopted him, he was just over three and a half. Wow. And now he's gonna he's fixing to turn eight. Um and uh, you know, he's killing it. You know, he's got some we're, we're you know, his biggest issues honestly, like we're working through some speech things. Yeah. That's it, speech things, like literally who cares.
0: Me too, man. <laughs> like, Me too. I yeah. Got, I got some speech like, things I'm working through. Like I'm 36. Yeah, are super lucky. Yeah. I'm yeah. super blessed, you know? Yeah. I've and got, so we, go ahead.
1: Yeah, we were we were coming out of the side of that, and we got involved with Randall's organization, which is called We Are The Echo, if you want to check that out online. We Are, like, the, we the, are echo. the Echo. Okay. We are the echo com something like that. And, uh, I started learning about foster care. I started learning about what happens when kids age out of the system mm-hmm. and like, I think God kind of began to break students' heart for that more than mine. Cause I was kind of like, I don't want to foster. Like we just got Zane like like, needs to be like, this has been a whole thing. Like we had a G tube and we're, now we're past that. And we used to have to blend his meals up every day. So you can wow. have like real food and not formula. And now we're past that. And, like finally got him potty trained, thank god like uh, you know like we're, we're like in a good place like i don't want to do foster care and then um you know we i started kind of attending these these lunch meetings with randall and he would talk about what happens when kids age out of the system and how big of a need it was and i i kind of felt like my heart sort of began to get soft for that and um they we went and saw this movie because they, he was given all these free tickets it's um, a movie called Instant Family.
0: Okay. Um, um, I think I've heard is, of it about this. It's got
1: Mark Wahlberg in it. It's basically yeah. a two-hour adoption commercial. <laughs> um, I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, and what happened is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Avengers, but, like, one of yeah. the reasons I love the Marvel movies is because if you sit there and, like, wait for the whole credits, there's, like, a little mini scene at the end. Like, I think on the first one, they were in, like, some, like, little dive in New York City, like, eating shawarma. Uh-huh. And like that's all it is. And it cuts. So or maybe there's something. I don't remember. But so once once I saw that, I like have this thing on mind that I've got to wait until the end of every movie after the credits. Yeah. Uh to watch. And I think I think at the end of Instant Family, it said that it was based on the director's experience.
0: Oh wow. And that
1: if you want to help, or if you're interested, or if you want to be involved or you know, see whatever, you can go to adopt AdoptUSKids.org, I think is what it is. And so, I was like, that's cool. And so, we went out to the car, and I guess, like, somehow the conversation was like, surely there's not, like, all these kids just waiting, you know, in Virginia, like, not in our own backyard. Yeah. Like, so we got on there, like idiots, (laughs) (laughs) and started poking around, and... We found this family, and it was like, I don't know, man. It was like, God said you need to adopt these kids. I'm dead serious. Wow. And so we talked about it, and we prayed a little bit, and we're like, I feel like we need to adopt these kids. And so we started going down the road, and we're like, well, if it's not meant to be, I guess the door will shut. And there's plenty of chances for the door to shut. Wow. Um. And it didn't. never shut. So, And we honestly prayed that both times. Because we felt like both times we were rushing in. And we were like, well, if it's not meant to be, the door will shut. Yeah. And so we just asked God to shut the door. Like, if it's not meant to be, shut the door. There was mm-hmm. plenty of, like, so many chances. And, dude, like, we were told when we started, like, pursuing these kids, like, multiple times, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like, you don't, no one goes on Dr. U.S. Kids, and then finds a family and like falls in love with them, and then it happens, like it just doesn't happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Period. Um, the social worker was like, Y'all need to calm down. Uh, <laughs> y'all are gonna find the right family, and they, they, the right adoptive family to come to you, you need to foster first. And I, my whole argument was, I was like, Man, these kids are on this website because they're past, there's no, there's no hope of re- reconciliation with mom and dad. Yeah. Because it's like, if they're not adopting you as kids, that means all parental rights have been terminated. Mm. And there's no family. There's like, they are ready to be adopted now. So don't talk to me about like, I need practice. Yeah. Like, these kids need a home. And I don't think people are crawling out of the woodworks to come adopt teenagers.
0: Yeah, they just aren't, are they?
1: Yeah. And so I was like, can we just talk about it? And so she was still in those. So we went to another social. We went to, like, we went to. Our, our city's DSS, and they deal with us, so then we went to another city's DSS, and I just, like, I didn't get the answer I wanted, so I just went to somewhere else, so I got the answer I wanted, <laughs> uh, and so, and then I just kept going, and finally I got to their social worker, and I was like, hey, I really want to adopt these kids, and at first they were really scared, because like, not the kids, the social worker. They're like, why is this like middle-aged white man like, so <laughs> interested in these kids? And I was like, God, it's not like that. I was like, I was like, I know Jesus and you should too. And he told me to adopt these kids. So take care of him. Um, but uh, no, I mean, that's kind of how it went. And so there was loads of interviews. And then we had to go through training. And then like we, we were put with like 25 other families. And so there was like all these families interested in these kids and it just kept getting narrowed down, kept getting narrowed down and narrowed down. And finally we got selected to move to the next step, which was like interviewing with them. And then they met us and then they came to stay with us a couple times and they came to stay with us for a week. And then it was like, okay, do we all feel good about this? And then they, the foster care system or the process, not the system, the foster care process started. And so then it was like, okay, six months is probationary period. So we made it through that and then we started the adoption process. And then last October, uh, it was final.
0: That's amazing. You know, yeah.
1: And so I know it's not well thought out, but it's definitely what we're supposed to be doing. And I, I, I don't, I will say. I'll say this, and this is the reason that I'm not a great fit in the adoption community. Yeah. Um, the adoption community can be a bunch of sensitive people. Like they are offended at a lot of things, a lot of times. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, not everybody needs to be adopting, you know, and, and that's not popular to say that. No. But, like, it's not for everybody. Like, I think you can be involved. I think you can fund it. You know, I think you can do something as as little as buying a meal for a family.
0: Yeah. There's so many
1: different ways to love an adopted family or be involved without, like, adopting a child. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that think it's really hard, and I'm like, you know, a pet's hard. You're doing that. Yeah. And, like, I think... I'm not joking, like, if you're like, here, take care of this human for 19 years, or take care of this pet for six months, I'd be like, give me the human. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, animals are so, like, and I'm, I, I know there's somebody out there that's like, did he just compare it to an animal? Oh my gosh. No, it's not like that. I'm just saying that, like, people think things are so hard, and yeah, it is hard, but so is a lot of other things. Yeah. And, like, yeah. there's plenty of capable people who have love to give and who are awesome and should totally consider foster care and should totally consider adoption uh, if it's something they want to do. And, like, it being hard or easy is not a fact. That should not, not even be part of the deal. Yeah. Like, do you want to do it or not is part of it. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But if you want to do it but you're scared because it's hard, well, whatever. So is everything.
0: Yeah, I I fall, like, kind of naturally, I guess, by default, whenever, whenever like, I'm talking about or I'm in a conversation about a subject. Um, because of, like, my, I don't know, 13 years experience in, in fighting and, you know, been wrestling my whole life, I, I find so many, like, parallels and illustrations and things that coaches have said. And, um, like, I hear you talking about, like, it's not hard. You just have to make the decision to do it if you want to do it or not. And like that comes like for me from from fighting if if I'm working out and I've got to get in shape and I got to like cut weight to get to like to go fight because that's what I've decided I want to do. And I can sit yep. and I look at all these things like I have to go I have to go train instead of uh go I don't know, go out to a dinner and movie. Uh, with my wife, and I look at that as a sacrifice. Then, like the whole training camp is just gonna suck. I'm I'm gonna hate the whole I'm gonna hate the whole uh, journey. But in, so instead of looking at it as a sacrifice, I think it's important to look at it as just a decision. I'm making this decision because of what I believe in. You know, I believe. You know, I want to. I want to accomplish this goal. I've set out to accomplish this goal. I'm making this decision. I'm not going to eat the the pancakes or the donuts or the pizza because I've made a decision. This is what I want to do. And I think some people, like you said, some people shouldn't be um, adoptive parents. They just shouldn't. They shouldn't adopt kids. And that's, For sure. And that's fine. But if, if somebody has decided in their heart, you know what, this is something that God is calling me to, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I can't shake it. Um, yeah. and things are going to be really difficult and they just keep, I think like we were talking about before, sometimes we, we say, um, let me pray about that. And that ends up becoming like our Christian way of yeah. procrastinating. I think sometimes we just, if we wait too long, we talk ourselves out of things. And it's so, like, you're talking about like, you're, you like just jump in to things with both feet. You're kind of extreme. I'm the same way in a lot of ways. Like when I took when I took my first fight, I didn't even tell my coach first. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I just signed up and I walked up to my coach and was like, Hey, by the way, I'm fighting in like two months. He's like, Oh crap. But I think sometimes that's what we ought to do. I think sometimes we overthink. I I think sometimes we need to, like I, I read a book, um, just a couple months ago. It's called the five second rule. And it's not about eating food off the ground. It's, about, like, counting back from five and then just doing something. When you know there's something in your guts telling you, man, you need to make a move, you may, need to make a decision, you've got to do that thing. Instead of, like, 100%. instead of waiting, I think you just say five, four, three, two, and on one you do something about it. And instead of instead of waiting around, because then time flies yeah. by and then you just, 10 year, you're ten years down the road and you didn't do anything about the one thing that you should have definitely done. You know, I, I know you said, like, not everybody ought to be adoptive parents, but what would you tell somebody who's thinking about adoption or about foster care? What, um, is there any, like, advice that you could give them?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, gosh, where would I start? You know, it's so, it's so nuanced and it's so individual and, like, specialized for every situation. Uh-huh. Um... Let me,
0: Think about it, because I can edit this too, by, by the way. Yeah, this is like, yeah, this is like,
1: I know, I know there's some people that are going to take thanks to this probably, but uh, it has to be said. Um, You shouldn't adopt a kid. You're, okay, your primary reason for adopting a child or foster care or whatever should not be because you can't have biological kids.
0: Oh, that's so good, man.
1: Um, because you don't have a kid for you, you, you don't adopt a kid for you, you adopt a kid for them. And when you adopt a kid for you, there's a, there's a manipulative nature to everything you do from providing for them, doing for them, picking them up, correcting them, loving them. Everything is about you. If you adopt a kid, uh, for the wrong reason. Wow. And so if you, if you adopt a child. There needs to be space between, like if you're, if you're hopeful to have a biological child and then you find out that you can't, there needs to be space between that and the, and the foster care. Mm -hmm. Because when you adopt or, or foster a child, it's about them. And you have to be completely okay with the fact that one day that they're, they are going to find out that they are not your kid biologically. They are going to want to have a, a connection with their parents. They may be angry at you for certain things. They may not be grateful. They may hate your guts. And if you're doing it for you, you can't hang with that. But if you're wow. doing it for them, you can totally hang with that because you remember why you did it. And your if your why is I'm doing this because I'm called to do it, I want to do it, uh, I know it's the right thing to do, they need it nobody's stepping up and I'm willing to, and that's your whole deal, then you're good to go. But when you're like, I can't have a kid, let's go adopt one. Let's go foster one. Like it puts you in a very tough place emotionally. If you haven't reconciled that before you go to get into foster and adopt care. Yeah. And I just can't tell you how many times I've seen it go South. You know, people, people talk about, um, they'll, they'll like go to the, uh, and I am using this as a parallel. If people get pissed about this, whatever, it's fine. Like, it needs to be said. Like people go to the SPCA and they adopt a, a cat or a dog, and it doesn't work out, so they rehome it. Did you know that there's people who adopt children, who raise money to adopt children, and they adopt them, and it doesn't work out, and these poor children get rehomed because mom and dad can't get it together, and they didn't know all the stuff, and there's just a whole litany of excuses of why they can't get it together. And these kids have to find now a, a third set of parents. Jeez. So they, they lost out on their original parents. They entered the foster care system. Now they got their quote-unquote forever family. And forever family said, screw this, I can't do it. And now they're rehomed, and now they're with the third family. Can you imagine the trauma? Can you imagine the heartbreak? Can you imagine the lack of trust in humanity? I mean, and those situations happen, and abuse happens, and burnout happens because people do it for their own reason. And so the wow. number one re- the number one thing I have for people who want to adopt or do foster care is make sure that you understand why you're doing it and make sure it's not about you. Because the second it's about you, you're done.
0: Man, that's you so good. You can't hang good. with that. You're
1: not going to sustain.
0: That's so good. And I mean, you don't hear anybody saying that either. Uh, and I know like you kind of prefaced that statement saying somebody's going to get mad about this. Well, I, I think there, I don't think we say enough things that make people upset for the right reason. You know, I'm not a big fan of like making people mad just for the sake of making people mad. But I think there are certain things that warrant, um, you know, some, <laughs> some people being uncomfortable. And I think that's one of them, you know, like just calling that, yeah. calling people, that out of people. people get honestly. really
1: uncomfortable with like, they think like when we let, like, and here's the deal, like the, the pet world, stole the term adoption. Adoption wasn't about pets until, like, the past 20 or 30 years. Like, you just went and bought a pet. Now it's not okay to say that you bought a pet, right? And so, like, people are like, why are you making comparisons from humans to kids? And I'm like, I'm not making a comparison, but there's a parallel because they both use the term adoption. Yeah. Like, they just do. And so, like, I'm not, I swear to you, like, I'm not, like, Comparing humans to animals, and I'm not <laughs> trivializing the situation. Um, but like on some level, like you have to understand, like adoption just can't be about you. You just have to like, and it's it's yeah, it's just that way. Sometimes it be like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes it just be like
0: that. Sometimes it just. Yeah <laughs> Hey, I know our time is fleeting. I know you've got something coming up in about like seven minutes. So I've got a couple extra questions. These are just, I mean, I know it's going to be kind of a different shift. I got one more question, then we'll jump into our rapid. That's what we'll do. So this is a question I've been asking all my uh, uh, guests uh, when we started this second season talking to Savage Dads. And the question is, who do you know that I should know? Somebody that um maybe as a savage dad somebody that i ought to interview um something along those lines who do you know that i should know you
1: should know, you should know randall nichols who is um the, the founder of we are the echo he's the guy i was talking about earlier that was the first person that came to mind um and then i think you should know josh wilson who is the owner of off-leash canine the really successful business person somebody i respect Uh, very, very tenacious personality, very committed dude, loves his family. Like, he's just a good, he's just awesome.
0: What was his name? Much more raw,
1: much more raw than me and and less apologetic. Like, (laughs) like he just puts it out there and like, he's like, he's like a preface to anything with like, hope no one's offended. Like he's just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) And what what was,
0: what was his name?
1: Joshua Wilson or Josh Wilson. Josh. I call him Josh, I think he might go by Joshua, I don't know. but I see Joshua Wilson everywhere, and I'm like, oh, it's so weird, his name's Josh.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you some uh, rapid questions just for fun, and then we'll, yeah. uh, we'll finish. Alright, first, Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles?
1: Oh, jeez, Ninja Turtles probably.
0: Yeah, I feel like I can almost, at this point, I ask these questions a lot just to kind of figure people out. Um, like personality-wise, outside of like our main topic, but I feel like I can almost guess these days. I can almost guess <laughs> what people are gonna say. Um, that's funny. But uh, all right, so how about Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat?
1: Mortal Kombat.
0: Do you have a character? Who's your character? Oh, uh, who's
1: the the guy? Is a cool murderer, that oh, guy.
0: Oh, scorpion. Scorpion. Yeah. All right, so. How about, what do you like to do in your downtime? I know you don't have any of it right now, especially with your, all of your working out. But what, what would you like to do? If you had a day by yourself, what would you like to do?
1: Holy cow. Um, you know, I, I said I was like a bourbon and spirits enthusiast. So, like, uh, that to a small degree. Um, I, like, I just like hanging out with friends. I like spending time with people. Um, okay. and I, I really like just experience driven things. I like top golf. I like hiking. Nice. I like biking. I like nice. running. I like, um, you know, like I'd love to go skydiving, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Not because I'm, I would, I would have gone 10 years ago. Susan's not a fan. She's yeah. afraid I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> uh, but like zip lining, um,
0: Okay
1: d- dangerous things, you know, just th- like, I, I really like adrenaline. I like getting out of my comfort zone. Um. So I
0: like I like you know things that are dangerous. Me too. Me
1: too. Within Um, within appropriate context. Not
0: so. Yeah. Not so much jumping out of airplanes and stuff. I'm I'm good with with not jumping out of airplanes. But I like um you know adrenaline rushes um just on on a different level. I I just feel like I guess the whole like skydiving thing is a little um I don't know. I just don't have as much control either. I pull that cord and the the parachute comes out or it doesn't. There's not much I can do if it doesn't come out. So. Yeah. No, I get that. What's something you I feel
1: like it's going to come
0: out. Yeah. What's something you're currently learning or something you've recently learned? We'll finish with this. Gosh,
1: something I'm currently learning or something I recently learned. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that. Um, in my company, you know, so I own a business and a lot of people own their business because they're really good at something and they want the freedom to operate within their own bounds, and so they left maybe a bad boss or maybe left a bad organization or all the above. Yeah. And so then you get out and do your own thing and you find out that like unless you're the unless you're like a solopreneur and you're running your own business, um, you find out that like there's a lot to run in a business that doesn't have anything to do with what the trade is. And so the tech, the technician piece of me really misses being behind a camera or editing or whatever. Um, but my primary role at my company is none of those things. My primary role is to manage people, lead people, inspire people and drive business. And so I've been learning about like how important systems and processes are. Yeah, I've been learning about what inspires people, Um, I've recently read Start With Law by Simon Sinek, which is a great book. I've recently read The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Um, And I think if you're in business, those two books are, like, indispensable. Um, Because, like, I'm not a videographer. I'm not a photographer anymore. Like, I do some of those things. And, like, for our company, Fowler Studios, like, I'm still the guy behind the camera and do a lot of the execution. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my job is to find people to do those things because there's things that only I can do. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, sales that only I can make, and there's conversations only I can have. And so learning that is what I really um, – like, that's really what my job is, and I'm not, like, a cinematographer. That's been kind of a eye-opening thing. It's been a freeing thing. And, and in some cases, it's been a bit of a discouraging thing um, at times because you're like, well, I'm not ever going to be the world's best cinematographer, but maybe I'll be the world's best CEO.
0: Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. This conversation has been uh, just so good, you know like I know you apologize for a lot of stuff you probably don't need to apologize i mean it was it's been really deep, and I think uh, listeners are going to really appreciate it i really uh, I really appreciate your time. I know you're a super busy guy, uh five kids, some businesses, and you're all over the place so I really appreciate you how can people um reach out to you
1: so um
0: I'm online, so um, I'm at at Josh Fowler on Instagram
1: and Twitter, and um, if you want to look my company up, the best way to get it is probably through my company. It's armaloo.com, A-R-M-A-L-O-O.com, and there's a contact form. That's probably the best way. Actually, no, that contact form is super long. (laughs) Uh, She made an email, info info at armaloo.com. I had to make it long because I was getting spammed to death oh really and uh yeah, like all the time so i put all these qualifying questions in there and uh i figure like if somebody gives up i don't want to work with them anyways <laughs> uh, it's like a super long and everybody told me like you need to have a con- short contact form and i'm like look if somebody's not willing to fill that out i don't want to work with them they can go somewhere else
0: <laughs> that's funny hey man yeah, thanks so... i have lost business <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for your time you're awesome i really appreciate you you bet, buddy. We'll All be right, in well, touch. You have a good one. We'll talk soon. Yep. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Saved and Savage podcast. If you want to connect with us, hit us up on Instagram at Saved and Savage, no dots or underscores. If you're interested in Savage Dads, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups savage dads, or you can head over to the new website, which is at savagedads.com.